sensitive to these sounds. Plant down and lotus in a tent to ground. Knowing if I fail to lift the veil, I'm hellbound. Journey through the fate of all the hate I found. Done laying out the layman's for these lanes, big clowns. We can still throw down pound for pound. If you choose to drag my name through the mud with no bounds. Scars go deep, but the passion can shift. Trying to find a balance between anger and bliss. Searching for my purpose when success is a myth. I thought I knew the gist of the plot, but it came with a twist. Had it all mapped out, but none of the pieces fit. Abandonment issues got me doing the split. Realizing I didn't really need what I wish. Got sick of getting tricked into giving the devil a kiss. Welcome to the side of hell. Hey everyone, and welcome to another edition of Portal to the Paranormal Thriller podcast. I hope everyone's had a great weekend or having a great day wherever you're watching from. Uh, tonight we have a fantastic show lined up. Um, you know, before we bring on our guests, I'll give you a little bit of a background. Not like I need to, a lot of people will know um, who is on our show today. So we have Dave Schrader joining us today. Um, absolutely brilliant to have him on, really excited. Um, just a bit of a background, Dave is an experienced paranormal investigator. Um, he's also a host of the popular paranormal podcast, The Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. Um, you can also um, catch him on Travel Channel, Discovery Plus, um, with his hit TV shows, uh, The Hostler Files and Ghost of Devil's Perch. A uh, little bit of a background with Dave. A lot of the paranormal world for him started as a young age, um, seeing different things, coming across different parts of the paranormal. Um, so what we're going to do is talk to him a little bit more about the methods that he's learned over the years, you know, things that he likes, things that he might not like. Um, but it is going to be a great show. If you do have any questions for Dave, please put them in the comments and we'll try and get through them. Um, but let's bring Dave on. Hey. hey, Dave. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Um, again, Excellent. just want to say thank you for joining us tonight. Um, before we get started, there's just a few comments um, in here. So Marilyn, uh, Marlene, sorry. Thank you for joining. Hope you're well. Um, so yeah, so let's get into it um, as the comments mm -hmm. are coming through. Uh, you know, we know that you've done a lot of stuff and this has started from a young age. Right. But listening to, um, you know, your path in life, it started really young where paranormal wasn't a subject that you would just normally bring up. I've seen this. I've seen that. You know, right. how, how how was that for you going through that transition of explaining to people that you were seeing things and you wanted to get further into the paranormal? You know, it's always been just an open book to me. My mom and family never really kind of tamped it down to make it taboo or or weird to talk about. My mom and my aunt, who were two of the big influences in my life, were very open to the paranormal. And I could talk to them about anything. And um, I had strange experiences as a child, seeing my my grandmother that passed over and would share these stories. So they knew what was going on. And my, my aunt had had experiences. My mom had had experiences. So it was a very open, conducive environment. My, my dad that raised me, you know, he had no thoughts on it one way or the other, but he loved horror movies and science fiction and kind of introduced me to those, uh, genres. So it, it allowed me to, um, 
have a safe comfort place growing up. So I never, you know, if I had questions, I just asked him or I'd go get a book from the library. And I know, which is a, for those of you out there that are under the age of 30, <laughs> libraries are these large buildings that used to house books that you could go in and you'd, you'd borrow one and take it and read it and then return that book. So, um, uh, Dave, that's so condescending. I'm just joking. There's just so many changes in the last 50 years, right? Um, so it's always been just a an open and active part of my life. Uh, I talked about the paranormal all the time, you know, in high school and in college and became friends with my buddy Tim Dennis at, at our college radio station, KQAL in Winona, Minnesota. And uh, we stayed buddies through the years. And in 2000. And 15 at the end of it, uh, or I'm sorry, 2005 at the end of it, he, he said, Hey man, I'm, I'm managing this radio station and we have a one hour spot every Sunday to fill. Want to do a radio show together? I said, yeah, let's do it. He goes, what kind of topic should we cover? I go, let's cover the paranormal. At that time, there was really only coast to coast doing it on a international basis. And this was really at the advent, uh, you know, the beginning of streaming and we launched and there were only about four other streaming shows out there. And, you know, we've been one of the OGs doing this kind of stuff all that time. And, and it just, as I grew with the show, I knew, wow, Nando's story sounds amazing. I want to go see this place for myself. I want to experience it. And I started to inject myself into the histories of these locations so that I could go be an actual participant in history, as opposed to a passive uh, yeah. listener I, or, or speaker, you know, I mean, I, and that's nothing against other hosts that just talk about it, but I wanted to talk about it and put it to the test. If you say there's a ghost or a UFO or a Bigfoot, I'm going and it's <laughs> there. And going, going from a young age, you've gone from experiencing things that you're not sure about and growing mm -hmm. up, what was the point that you started really taking this seriously? And what did you do to, are you self-taught or did you have influences? I know you're saying about family at the young age, but to get into this professionally, what did you do to really? I stumbled. I stumbled into all of it professionally. I, I've always taken it seriously because I knew that it was real or I believed it was real. Um, I read books, you know, by, you know, everybody from horror novelists, Stephen King and Dean Koontz to, uh, actual investigators, Dr. Hans Holzer, um, D Scott Rogo, Dr. William Roll, uh, you know, people like that, that were out there kind of in the forefront of investigations. And it just was such a passion of mine, but it wasn't until I started doing the show. I I've been very open since the beginning, Nando, of telling people, I don't know all the answers. That's why you're going to go with me on this journey. And I tried not to, I like, I, mean, I get books constantly, right? People are always, Hey, I want to be on your show. Here's my book. And I tell them up front, there's absolutely no way I'm going to be able to read that book before our, our interview, but I appreciate having it. I will skim through it, but yeah. I want to learn along with my listeners. So if I know too much about a subject, sometimes you forget to ask questions that would be pertinent to new people. So I try to walk people through these journeys together, hand in hand, trying to understand what's going on, how it goes on. So my theories of, of the paranormal have changed pretty radically over the years because I came into it with the same concept. You die, a uh, ghost leaves your body, some stay, some move on, some are guilty, some are afraid, some have business that they've left un, unfinished. So, you know, that's all I knew. And as my, my education and awareness has grown, so has my perception of what could be going on in these different situations.
And, you know, that, that that's amazing that, you know, you've gone through all that and, you know, mm-hmm. the amount of knowledge that you've built along the way. Um, you know, some of the things that I just wanted to touch on, uh, one of it was um, your one of the shows that you do is The Ghost of Devil's Patch. Mm-hmm. And there's a particular scene that I watched where um, you walk into um, a place, I think it was referred to as the Cabbage Pack. Mm-hmm. Um, and within minutes of being there, you 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 went to the floor like literally just collapsed within seconds like something had run right through you and just like like a rugby tackle the way i would explain right, it right right down um and you you referred to it as um you think you walked into a, a into a place memory a paranormal place mm-hmm. memory can you explain that in a bit more detail what what you mean by that sure first and great questions uh first of all just to give perspective it's in the beginning of the episode, like we were just there for moments. We had been walking through for quite a while. It wasn't until we got into that cabin at the Cabbage Patch and Cindy started to engage the spirit there. We were in there for probably 15 to 20 minutes before it hit. And what I thought legitimately happened was I felt something hit and it felt like a bolt of lightning right at my solar plexus. I thought, um, uh, uh, an appendix rupture, uh, maybe a heart attack. I couldn't, and it went straight through my back and I was down and I was, I was afraid for my life. I thought, Oh crap, I'm about to die on TV. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, this is my last moment and I'm being filmed. I finally got outside, got some fresh air, got away from it. I had no clue why it hit me. What hit me? They rushed me to the hospital. I spent the night in the hospital they couldn't find anything physically wrong with me. So A, is it all, oh, well, you're faker, you're on TV. B, is it something paranormal? C, is it something psychological? You know, I can only tell you my experience. Yeah. It was a very horrible pain. Could it have been ill-timed gas? Maybe, you know, I mean, something hit, it hurt horribly, dropped me to my knees. I went to the hospital. They couldn't find anything wrong with me. So very well could be, but on the other hand, the next day I find out through the historians that a gentleman had been killed there, right? And shot by his lover, killing him. So a place memory is a concept like something tragic takes place there, which we've heard in the paranormal. When a tragedy befalls, usually there's something there. I think it scars the energy. It's like a a stressed part of, of, clothing that always, you know, like the crotch of your jeans, your pants are always rubbing together. So the, the layers get thinner there. That's why they always split in the, you know, that crotch area, um, or in the backside, you know, it's because so much has happened there. So much is going on. And this is such a stress point that it's allowing us to be in that moment. And I've become very open. I don't claim to be a medium or a sensitive. I am open to situations, but I'm not trained in any way. And I think having had the experience that I had on the curse of Lizzie Borden earlier that year, where I had something push through me and do automatic writing, which left me very uncomfortable, very unnerved. And I didn't ever close that down properly. Cindy and Chris Fleming told me that the experience I had at the cabbage patch could have been a result of that. I've left myself open to situations and that's hard to wrap your head around. I know I had the experience. Yeah, I know it correlates with an actual thing that happened there, but trust me, Nando, I'm still sitting there thinking, <laughs> this can't, 
I must have just had to fart really bad. And it just that I I walked into a gunshot, a ghost gunshot. It sounds absurd. But when the timing of both things happen at once, Occam's razor, well, it probably was gas. That's what the world's gonna see. I just find it more fascinating that it happened in that place at that moment when she was calling on that spirit. Uh, and I had no prior knowledge to that aspect of the story. Um, it was, it was really disturbing, but that, you know, <clears throat> people ask me all the time, aren't you tired of getting knocked around, having things affect you like that? And it, it's frightening at first, but I actually kind of, I look at it as a gift, my own version of mediumship, that if the spirit feels comfortable enough to lash out, I look at it as my children when they're mad or they're upset or they don't, they can't find the words and they do something. I can a elect to scream and yell. I can turn around and walk the other way. I can, you know, there's all these, I can strike back. What I've tried to do is take that empathy into effect that, all right, Nando, I get it. You're here. Yeah. Your spirit's here. You're so upset, but you don't have to hurt me. I'm here actively trying to communicate with you, man. Just tell me, what can I do for you? What can, and, and I believe that that's a gift that they're, they've given me is that they found somebody they lash out in that moment because they feel maybe it's safe. Maybe they're trying to frighten me off and they realize, oh, this is somebody who actually cares. This is somebody who will listen. And that to me is a gift. I love the fact that I don't always like the pain or the after effect or the fact that I split my back open and in uh, uh, the, the Holzer files or had the other issues hit me, but it's, it's something I, I don't take for granted. And I guess I have to adjust my thinking to that so that it doesn't affect me and impact me to the point where I have PTSD and terrified to go to haunted locations. I instead have elected to adjust the light so that it makes it feel like it's a good thing for me. Yeah. If that makes sense, you know? Yeah. yeah. That makes, but with, with things like that happen, it must take mm -hmm. a toll on you like mentally sometimes, you know, it's, it's sometimes. Yeah. Mentally. I, so, do you, do you have anything in place that will, like, if it if people are noticing around you is mentally affecting you too much or, you know, you're feeling really off afterwards, do you have anything in place that sort of grounds you or when you go into investigation, does it make you more cautious now where you do protect? I know some people might do protection chants or they do prayers. Do you bring religion into your investigation or mm -hmm. do you have something that you use to to help you be protected? What is your method that you would go to? I, I do prayers for myself, usually after an investigation or in the heat of the moment, if something really feels negative, really feels above just being a pissed off on a, on <laughs> what's the word I'm looking for? Unhappy ghost. Yeah. Uh, it's real easy to jump to it being a demon because it scares you and it was forceful. But sometimes I think, like I said, a child lashing out, this spirit has been there. How long? maybe has been lied about, has, you know, they, they, people have shaped their history. You've got uh, people that claim to be mediums in there saying, oh yeah, this guy, he molested little kids. That's why he liked to be here. Or maybe he just really cared about the kids in the community and he donated his time and efforts and money to helping. Why do we have to jump to the darkest force? And if your soul is being spoken about poorly in the afterlife, maybe you're lashing out at anything that comes in because how dare you? How dare you? And okay, so tell me. Tell me what your story is. Let's work this through together. Let's let's try to help. 
because I like feeling like Cindy, myself and Shane or KD that we can bring a voice to those that have lost the ability to speak to the world that maybe mm-hmm. we can, you know, in the, in the immortal words of quantum leap set right, what once went wrong, where people have taken advantage of the story and manipulated it to make it creepier to sell tickets or whatever. So I do bring in prayer and on every episode, they don't show it all the time. And I understand why, uh, we've got a wide swath of followers around the world that have different belief systems that are not Christian. And that's where I come at it in a Christian faith. So all I can bring to it is my Christian belief system, but I'm open. Like on one of the episodes of the Holzer files we did, we did, um, the, we believe we were up against some Santeria issues, not evil. And if you actually understand it, these Santeria practitioners would come there because the the property was like the only place with trees and bushes and grass in New York City. And they would come to these nature areas to purge themselves of negativity. But those negative things had an energy unto themselves, which were spilling over into the house. So we brought a Santeria practitioner in to do their work to try to clear it in their belief system. But I also do prayers. And I would say things like, Lord, I just ask that you you know, bring through the Holy Spirit, baptize each one of these rooms in the blood of Jesus Christ. And I ask that you help find any spirits that are lost or forgotten, open the light to them and allow forward their friends, relatives, loved ones to try to make this transition easier. And Lord, if a spirit or an energy here decides to stay, I ask that you bind it and keep it from being able to hurt the living. And I pray this in your name. Amen. And I do those prayers at every location I've ever gone to at the end of the investigation. I don't know if it always helps. I know it can't hurt, right? Again, because I do believe that's the intention and the empathy behind it that is being heard. Um, so that's that's what I try to do when I do that. And then when I get home, I pray before I go into my home, asking to be cleared of any energies that are not mine, because I don't want to come home to my wife and children and bring that negativity or that angst with me. But there are times it still affects me and, and I will be in a darker place. Sometimes I have to realize then, oh, these aren't my feelings. Hmm. This isn't me. This is something external. So let's, okay, Lord, just, I ask you to clear me, my mind, my body, my spirit. I ask that you remove all of the extemporaneous connections to other sources, take them away. Let me be whole, be into myself. And I just try to, again, setting that intention to kind of clear and cut away all those cobwebs of things that I've interacted with in locations and then take it from there. And I do believe, although I'm not a medium or psychic, I do believe that I have empathic tendencies. So Hmm. I take on people's feelings and emotions and and situations pretty, pretty well. Um, And, you know, which again, I've learned through time to turn around. I go to big locations where there's thousands of people. And back in the day that would have overwhelmed me and I would have shut down. Now I open it up. I have on my, on my table, free selfies and free hugs always. And I'm willing to hug people and, and be a part of their energy. And I now feed off of that energy instead of allowing it to rob me. And mm. I can stand there for 12 hours in one spot and hugging people and talking and, ch- and then I get back and phew, I'm done. My body is exhausted, but somehow I made it through 12 hours that day, you know, plus I did a talk and I, I signed autographs and I did photos. And I, so I found a way to kind of turn that 
to my benefit. And I really feed off that energy and it helps me because I am an introvert in an extrovert world. So that's what we, oh, thank you, Loki. Um, Sharon says she loves my hugs. Uh, yeah. And I found that that's just a really good thing. There's, you know, and hugs are great for two reasons. They release a natural endorphin that's healing to you and the person that you hug. That's why when I do hugs and anybody that's ever gotten one from me, I don't do the kind of half-assed pat in the shoulder hug. I will embrace you and welcome you to embrace me back. And I feel that there is something cathartic and healing in that. I don't make it weird. There's no grinding and rubbing. There's just a hug <laughs> and a hold, you know? Yeah. Um, and there's something cathartically healing about that. And uh, I have a lot of people tell me, man, I, you know, I was having a really crappy day and then you just hugged me. And I realized for the rest of the day, I felt a lot better. Well, it releases those endorphins and it makes you feel better. So I will do what I can to try to bring happiness to myself and others as much as I can in those situations, dead or alive. Brilliant. And one thing that you did say that you tend to do your prayers after an investigation. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you do a prayer before to the, you know, like a lot of people would look at it. The whole point of doing the prayer before is to keep you mm -hmm. safe from avoiding that sort of contact. Is there right. any reason why you would do it afterwards? Do you invite like, that like you just mentioned, because it's keeping you safe from that kind of interaction. So basically what you're saying is why don't you swaddle yourself so that you don't have that interaction and you can't bring out an answer for that spirit, or you can't become the conduit for that spirit to communicate. So I don't want to do that. I Okay, look at it honestly. Nando, you're a ghost, all right? You see Dave and you see Shane outside of the, your door about to enter. And you see Shane clutching his rosary and his holy water and his Bible under his arm. And he's, oh, dear Lord, protect me from all evil and all intent from these spirits. Please keep them away from me and blah, blah, blah. And you see Dave just walk in and say, if you're here, I'm available. You can communicate to me. What can I do? If you were a spirit, and you had, let's just assume, there's only so much energy you have to try to get heard. Are you going to waste your time pinging Shane, who obviously is terrified, and he's not, yeah. I'm just using this as an example, yeah. who's terrified and putting out the intent, I don't want this, I don't want this, I don't want this, or are you going to go to Dave who's saying, I'm here? Open, you know, and then they'll lash out. That's why I said I've learned to accept that lashing as a, Okay. All right. There's no doubt. Nando's here. We've got some kind of interaction, but Nando, let me tell you, I'm not here to be disrespectful. I'm not going to call you names. I'm not going to propagate the rumors about you, but I'm here to give you a chance to speak for yourself. And then I, that's why I think I get good EVP. That's why I think we get good interaction is showing that respect. Then afterwards I say the prayer, not so much for myself as I do for the house, the spirits and the inhabitants that still live there. And it's yeah. more about putting out the protection for them asking. So that's why I do it. And again, I'm not egotistical to believe that it is my words and that I am the great and powerful Dave. And it is only yeah. through me that you are saved. I believe that I am a, um, a speaker. I am, I am doing something to try to help heal and bring peace. And that's all. And it's become a gift as well, Nando. I have people from around the world that ask me to pray for them. Yeah. And that's a that's a big responsibility that I'll never shirk because you might not know who to go to. You might not know what to say, which we have all had problems with. How do you pray for something? Mm. Dave, I you know, I I need a I need a break. I don't know what to say. 
all right, Nando, Lord, I just ask that you be with my friend Nando. I ask that you surround him in love and compassion. I ask that you fortify him mentally and spiritually so that he can see the opportunities when they arise. And Lord, I just ask that you protect him and keep him safe as one of your children. I pray this in your name. Amen. And sometimes there's just a relief of, oh, it is that simple, right? I don't have to be, oh, Lord, gee, you're so very big, you know, doing the yeah. old Monty Python bit where it just sounds all flowery. Just get to the point. God's got things going on too, man. Just get to what you want. Yeah. And that's that's what I believe in. So I think the power of prayer is powerful. I'm happy to share it. I've been sharing it on my social media and, and radio shows for the better part of 17 years and plan to do it until they're planting me in the ground. Um, <laughs> you know, and I have people from all different faiths reach out to me and they're like, I'm Jewish. I don't know if this will work. I'm Muslim. I don't know if this will work, but please, you know what a gift that is to me that you say, yeah. I don't know what else to do. Can you please help? And sometimes the prayers don't always come through the way we want. You know, I just posted a really prime example of this, this video where people are mocking this poor kid. He's got a, a chainsaw between his legs. He's holding it and he's pulling the string and the blade is backwards between his legs and his buttocks and he's pulling the string and it won't start. And I said, sometimes it's easy in the moment to be frustrated that things don't go your way. Maybe there's a bigger plan. Maybe God is protecting you in spite of yourself so that what you wanted may not have been what's right for you at that moment. And maybe he has to pull that away. So a little bit later, you can be more clear, right? Yeah. And this kid probably showed that video and everybody's like, Hey, dummy, don't, what do you think? Put it this way. But now he's learned a valuable lesson and it didn't cost him his life. It didn't cost him pain and agony and misery for eternity. So I, I tell people that sometimes things don't work out how we want them, but maybe right. that's because something better was in store or something, you know, to you, but, oh, so the prayers for my father didn't work. He's dead. And that's better for me. No, maybe it was better for your dad. Maybe the misery and pain that that person felt got the release that they so richly deserve. So that's why I said, it's a lot of this in the field is about perspective and intention, what you bring to it, how you observe it and how you give back to it. And I try to give and not just ask for, but here, here's what I can do for you. I'll pray for you. I'll show love and compassion and patience for you. I'll try to set these things right for you. And that's what all we can do. Mm. You know, we're doing it the way you do it. And, you know, and mm -hmm. I get everything that you're saying. But, you know, when you're sort of looking into different methods and different people say different things, you know, are you not leaving yourself open for like attachments? I don't know if you believe in attachments and you know, where you're sure. not grounding yourself at the start, do you find... But that's why I say when I get home or I've gotten somewhere else, I ask to be cleared. I ask, Lord, I just ask that you clear my mind, my body, and my spirit from any attachments, from any energies that are not my own. I ask that you retract those back to where they came from and make me whole. I ask that you bring back the pieces of me I've left with others and make me whole. Because we all leave pieces of ourselves when we interact, right? Have you ever been sitting there, Nando? And all of a sudden you just get this wave, this crushing wave of anxiety or depression. And you're like, everything's going well. Why am I so upset? And later that day, you get a call from your buddy, Dave from the United States. And he goes, man, I got to tell you, I'm having a horrible day, dude. I, oh, my kids are sick. My wife is, uh, you know, just lost her job. My this, that, or the other. And then you realize, oh, 
maybe this feeling of dread I've had all day is not mine. Maybe that was my connection to Dave and he was just pinging the telegraph line and I was picking up on that. And that's why I think it's okay to clear those strands from yourself and ask for clear clarity. Well, but then what if that person needs me? They probably will call you anyway. Yeah. You can be there for them, but you don't need to feel attached all the time because it's too taxing on who we are. And we are connected, man. Science is telling us that, right? Spook, mm -hmm. Spooky action at a distance. We're all connected. And an effect here can be felt and, and repercussions thousands and millions of miles away. So it's very real. So sometimes you got to clear off all the crap and then you're okay. So I try to do that before I go home. And then okay. people will say, well, but have you ever brought something home? I, I don't have the ability to turn and go, oh, Nando, I see you. You go back. You go back over to England, man. You don't belong here. I just can. There's something here I can sense. Yeah. But I just came from a haunted location where I spent three days, five days a week. I'm steeped in that. I'm stewing in that paranormal activity. And then I leave. And maybe it's a spirit at the airport who's like, I think that guy can sense me. I think that guy can see me or hear me. And they're attracted to you like a, a moth to a flame. Maybe it's my neighbor who passed away while I was gone. And mm. he always wanted to tell me his paranormal stories. And he sees me back and he's like, Dave, holy, sh it's real, right? <laughs> so I can't see where it came from. So I don't know that that is necessarily an attachment or I've just attracted other energies. So that's why it's okay to shut it down once in a while. And I got to get better at that too. I have connections out to people all over the world that sometimes I need to shed them because they yeah. don't serve me. And that's not selfish. I can't be as good a friend to you if I'm bogged down by everybody else's crap. Does that make uh, sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So. But one, th one thing I would want... Like, it's a bit of a personal question. You know, your Please. your fam your family watch from the sidelines, and mm -hmm. they see a scene. If we refer back to the Devil's Perch scene, you know, mm -hmm. that must have been quite worrying for your family to to watch. Suddenly, one minute you're walking through, next minute you're on the floor, like you know. And at one stage, they were thinking this could be a med medical emergency, but when they realised it's something possibly paranormal, how did they do? You know. Do they have moments where they say dad or your wife says, Dave, you, you got to stop this. You know, how do they, you, how do you get <laughs> yeah. be able to read? I don't tell them. Okay. Oh, okay. I, I don't tell them until we watch the episode. And what I oh, really wow. love, my son-in-law, who I love to death, his name is Kevin. I might be watching right now. Well, uh, what I love about Kevin is my daughter, Kayla, will sit on the couch when they're watching an episode and she'll take out her phone. And if she's hearing the music mounting and she knows something's coming, she'll start videotaping. And if it's something that happens to me, she re catches his reaction. Now, remember, I filmed those episodes seven months ago. Yeah. They've been to my house since. We've had dinner together. We've hung out together. There's no ill effect. I haven't cried about it or screamed about it or, or been terrified by it. But my son-in-law will be sitting on the couch with the blankets up watching. And then something happens and he goes, oh, my God. And he turns to my daughter and he goes, is he okay? Is he going to be okay? And it's so cute that he has that worry and concern. She's like, honey, we were just there a week ago. You saw him. Totally fine. Oh, but that's terrifying. So I get that response. Sometimes I'll watch the shows with my kids and they'll be like, why didn't you tell me? And I said, because I didn't want you to worry about me while I'm out there. I've got it under control. I'm okay. And like for Ghost to Devil's Perch, Nando, I was away from my family for three months straight. We were in it. 
They put us in Butte, Montana. I got seven days off, three of which I spent at New Jersey Para Unity Conference, which is coming up again this November in New Jersey, uh, in the United States. And then uh, as opposed to the New Jersey in Ireland, I don't know what I'm saying. Um, and then the other one was to go on the Chris Jericho cruise for four days. So that was my time off, but I never got to go home in all that time. Wow. Cause we were there to do a job and be there on call at any moment. I just had those pre existing issues. So they shot around those for me, but, um, yeah, I try not to tell my family about things that go horribly wrong. Uh, my wife knew about when I went into the hospital, because again, when I went in, I didn't know what had happened. So I contacted her and I'm like, Hey, you know, I'm in the hospital. We don't know what's wrong. I didn't tell her. I thought it was ghostly. Cause I really didn't think it was ghostly yeah. at the time. Um, but I was telling her that, you know, and she's worried about it, but her response to me and Ando is never Dave, you need to give up the paranormal. <laughs> she's like, Dave, stop eating McRib sandwiches and put the Twinkie <laughs> down. That's what she worries about with good reason. Right. So, yeah. you know, eating poorly and, and, uh, laying around that's more troublesome to her than at least I'm active going out and ghost hunting. So she, she prefers that. Uh, so that, I hope that answers your question, but yes, I do. I love watching my kids react when we watch the shows together and they'll be like, Oh, what the hell happened, dad? And we have to pause it. And I explain to them or I tell them, just keep watching. Maybe I don't make it through this one. And they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I keep playing it. So I just All have right. fun with it. By the way, awesome. let me, I, I do want to just say this. I'm going to be in England. And I'm going to be there uh, in September. First of all, I'm doing a tour with Neil Story, the historian and amazing investigator. I'm going to be doing a tour with him. And one of our stopovers is going to be at the Festival of the Unexplained. And yeah. I can't wait to go do that conference. So if you're interested, you can go to um, festivaloftheunexplained.com or go to darknessevents.com darkness events and scroll down. You'll find the banner for it. You can join me on the tour and do the ghost, uh, uh, expo, the, the conference with me. And then the tour that continues on after that, or if you're out in Europe and only wanted to come to the conference, come see me at the conference. I'll be there. Neil story is going to be there. A lot of great guests are on hand for it. And again, that's festival of the unexplained.com festival of the unexplained.com or darknessevents.com to find out about the tour as well. So, but I live here. Why do I need to go on a tour with you? Because these are a lot of places you may have heard about, but never gone to. And now you get to hang out with me. How cool is that? I might get thrown down a flight of stairs. I a ghost in a night suit. I try to cut off my head. You don't know what's going to happen until you're there. So come on uh, out and join me. It is going to be great. Um, you know, one of the things I will say, my wife's watching and she said, can I have one of Hi, those? Sarah. It's at the Festival of the Unexplained because we will be there. Um, you know, so we're we're excited to meet you. You know, Sarah, let's make it real, real uncomfortable for Nando. Just you and me will hug and hug it out, and he'll be like, Hey, my turn. <laughs> Excuse me. It, it we it'll be fun. Um, you know, and sure. that's absolutely great because you're gonna be um a guest speaker at the festival of the unexplained as well, you know. Right. So yep. Is is a great? I think it's a three day event, isn't it? Yeah. A paranormal yeah. investigation, then the speaking, then they're going to do some workshops. So, you know, mm -hmm. there were the, that was one of the things I was going to mention later on. But you're one step ahead of me, so all good. Um, we can always so, yeah. mention it again later. I'm sure Karen would appreciate that. So. Yes, I, I think she'd be a very happy <laughs> lady. Um, 
you know, that's great. And I love the story about your son-in-law and the reactions, you know. Mm -hmm. And it must have been quite funny for the hospital because they're expecting a medical emergency and then suddenly mm -hmm. it turns into nothing. And it's just... Yeah, I, I told the story, but it's it's one of my favorites. I get I go to the hospital. I You know, this is during the height of COVID. And in Montana, they were not big on masks or vaxes, right? So I'm hearing all these hospitals are overflowing, overflowing with COVID patients. And I'm like, I don't want to go to the hospital. And they're like, dude, you just dropped to the floor screaming in pain. You're still bent over and can't catch your breath. You got to go to the hospital. What if you're having a heart attack? Cindy's outside going, you will listen to me. I'm a medium. You're going to go to the hospital and get taken care of. And then yeah. my wife called and, you know, when I'd said, I said, I might be going to the hospital and she was lecturing me to go to the hospital. So I had my work wife and my home wife yelling at me to go. So I went in, thankfully there was no line when I got there. This one in Butte was not overrun. Um, and they brought me into my own room. I didn't tell them. Hey, I think a ghost hurt me. Cause again, at that point I didn't know that I just explained to them I have pain here. It yeah. went through to my back. It hit. So they, did EKG on me. They did blood gas tests. They did all of these things to rule out. And the doctor, this was their big comfort, their bedside manner. The doctor comes in with a couple of the nurses. He goes, listen, at your age and your weight, we figured it was going to be a mess inside there, but you're pretty clear. Uh, we can't find anything wrong. All it. I'm like, oh, geez. So, hey, somebody that close to death and as fat as you are, we thought you were checking out, but you're good. Um, so they were fine with it. And then they're like, what are you in town for? And I said, um, Filming a, filming a ghost show. A ghost show? Yeah, it's a paranormal investigation series. It's taking place right here in Butte, and I'm uh, I'm the lead investigator. And they all kind of paused and looked at each other and slowly nodded. Okay. And then they left the room, and then one by one, they kept coming in going, I got to tell you a story about what happened to me. Oh, my God, you should go check out my childhood home. Oh, my God, go over to Ray's hardware store. They have stuff flying off the shelves all the time. Even the doctors are coming in. He's like, you know, have you heard about the little girl ghost we have in this hospital? I've seen her. She, I'll walk into a room, and she's sitting on the sink looking at herself in the mirror playing with the water. And people were telling me these stories unsolicited. It was crazy. Um, but, yeah, they once they got past that uh, I'm okay, yeah. I'm just fat and old, they, uh, they got to the um, – let, let me tell you my ghost story stuff. Yeah. Oh, that, that must have been great. Um, yeah. But, you know, with something like that and moving into what I would say is the darker part of the paranormal, a lot of people would be quick to say this is something demonic. Um, mm -hmm. And one thing about not all TV shows or big YouTube hitters, I'm not saying it's everyone, but a lot of them, you know, are very quick to say this is demonic. This is, mm -hmm. you know, something bad. What are your thoughts fairly with TV shows portraying demonic entities? Too, do you believe they refer to it too much? Uh, and do you believe that we do face demonic entities when we're going out on investigations? What is your belief with that? Boy, there's a lot to unpack there, Nando. Let's start off. Uh, do I believe in demonic entities? Yes. Do I believe they're as prevalent? No. Uh, does that mean that I'm calling out other TV shows? No, they're going to places that are, excuse me, Maybe the demons are making me sneeze now to keep me off track. But um, maybe it's that they're going to places that are known to have demonic attachments and demonic activity. So that's what they go in to seek. Um, and seek and you shall find, right? So I'm very cautious with saying 
anything derogatory because I wasn't there for those other shows. I don't know what they really came up against. Mm. Um, I believe that there are a lot of malevolent pissed off ghosts and there should be, you know, there's a lot of people being lied about a lot of spirits and, and look, you know, a celebrity dies and it isn't, Oh my God, what a it's oh drug overdose. Right. Immediately we start putting negativity on their legacy. So what if there's more to these stories and you know, what is demonic? If, if you go in in a place of fear, can we create a thought form, a tulpa? And if there are enough of us going in and feeding that tulpa, does something take over? It's hard to say. Um, I don't, I don't feel we ran up against a demon at any of our locations on two seasons of the holes files or ghost to devil's perch. Um, I don't even feel like we came against it in the curse of Lizzie Borden. I do believe we came up against puck wudgies, which are these really little demonic like creatures that I think might have influence over people maybe. Um, but you know, if it bleeds, it leads. That's kind of the content. And a lot of the networks, they just want scary, scary, scary. So they want you to go to the most dark, malevolent, terrifying mm-hmm. places. Maybe why the Holzer Files didn't get past two seasons. We had great moments that were terrifying, but there was no demon there to be had to go up against. And the fan base wants to be terrified. They want to, oh, no, no, Dave, I don't. I want reality and I want, that's what you say, but ratings tell us differently. Um, but we never felt pressured to say it was a demon. I mean, there were times, you know, off camera, it'd be like, could this be a demon? And we're like, yeah, this could be a demon just so they get that sound bite. But then they allowed us to walk it through and understand. And usually Cindy'd be like, this is not a demon. There's something, something else going on here. Um, now ghost to devil's perch. I had one of the most impactful psychic moments ever by doing the, the Estes method. Um, and it broke me mentally, physically, and spiritually. I was bawling my eyes out for hours. I mean, hard ass sobbing because I heard things and something was taunting, but again, it'd be easy to turn to it saying it's a demon. I think it was more just this pissed off spirit that was just screwing with everything living or dead. Um, and, and imposing that will on things. So I, you know, I tell this story a lot and I know I told you, let's stay off of stories that I cover a lot, but I love this one talking about demons. What about demons, Dave? How prevalent are they? I go, well, let's look at some cases. You know, I I get this woman who contacts me she tells me she has a demon in her house. She thinks she has a demon. I said, well, you could stop there. You don't. How do you know? I didn't tell you anything. I said, you, you said the most important thing. You think you have a demon. Hmm. If you have a demon, you're going to know you have a demon. But what what happened? Well, I've got a wall of collectible plates. And I have a, one for my great-grandmother. And it flew off the wall and shattered. And we made sure the hooks weren't loose. The, You know, nobody slammed a door. No, none of that. It just was shattered. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, did it make like a, a pentagram on the floor with shards of broken plate? No. All right, did it make like a 666 with shards of broken plate? no, that's stupid. Okay. Did the pieces jump up and start to hover in the air and then fly across the room and try to impale you? No, no, that's, oh, are you taking this seriously? And I asked, are you? And mm. she's like, what do you mean? And I said, okay, those are what we believe 
the demonic can do. That's so nothing happened other than grandma's plate fell off the wall and shattered. She goes, yeah, but it was my great grandma's plate. It meant so much to me. And I said, okay. So you think that out of all of your life, your kids, your pets, your husband, your own life, the way they're going to get to you is by breaking great grandma's plate. That's going to be the upsetting thing that sets you off to shoot up your family and, and head off to the mall and start killing people. Well, no, I said, okay. So imagine hell roll call this morning and Lucifer's up in front of his minions and he says, all right, Nando, you're going to go start a war in the Middle East. Dave Schrader, you're going to go propagate hate on your radio show. You're going to go do this. You're going to raise oil prices and gas prices and cause terror among the streets. You're going to go push a cop to murder somebody, right? And then you, Larry, you're going to go break great grandma's plate. (laughs) Like that's like his idiot nephew. That's the only job he can trust him with. And so she kind of laughed about it. And I said, see the absurdity of believing it's something demonic. Why? And I said, where did your, where did your great grandma get the plate? She goes, she got it from her mother-in-law when they got married. And I said, what was their relationship like? Oh, she hated her mother-in-law. They never got along. I said, so maybe great grandma came and said, why do you still have that ugly plate on the wall? And she knocked it over and this lady starts laughing and she goes, you know, you're right. That's my great grandma's personality and attitude completely. And I said, well, there you have it. Has anything else happened since? Well, I had a paranormal team come in and they caught a growl. Well, can I hear it? Sure. Then I hear the muffled, is there something here that wants to make itself known? Oh, that's a stomach noise. That's all that is. I've I've got a stomach. I've heard that a thousand times. So that's what they hinged. The fact that it was a demon is because they caught on recording. And years went by, dude. I saw her a couple years back, maybe like seven, eight years ago. And uh, it had been at that time, six years since she had that experience. Nothing ever happened. She goes, you were right. So it's easy to jump to the demonic because that's what a lot of people on TV watch. Right. Yeah. This is the only field paranormal investigating is the only field that you can become an expert because you watched all the seasons of ghost hunters, ghost adventures, paranormal state, ghost to devil's perch, Holzer files, you know, project fear, destination fear, whatever. I can't watch hours of TV doctor shows and go in and start performing open heart surgery on you. No, I might yeah. be willing to try. I can't watch hours of CSI and, and, you know, LAPD blue and just go out and arrest people. Hmm. There's protocol. So people watch these shows, see, oh, well, that's what Jay and Grant said. So it must be demonic. Well, in that case it was, but it doesn't mean it always is. So you can't always jump to those conclusions. Uh, It's TV. It's, you know, you have to do the work yourself and you can't jump at every little mouse fart and assume that it's something evil. Evil. Mm. Yeah. And, and being in the TV industry yourself, you know, yes. you, you know, we've been able to see you've caught some amazing evidence through EVPs, as you're saying, the Estes method and everything. And mm-hmm. with that, great comes the, you know, what I would say sometimes the negative part of it, where people mm-hmm. say it's too good to be true. Right. You know, how, how do you respond to that? Because you must see comments flying around. You know, we, we've sure. had it and we're, we're, we're not even, you know, we're, we're small we're a small group and we still get people saying this ain't real. Well, this, this. Let me how ask you this, Nando, when you have a paranormal experience happen, how often do you sit back and go, now did that just really happen? Did I really just see that? So 
I have, I totally understand skeptics and cynics alike. I, you know, I don't like being bullied by them because they're right and I'm wrong and I'm a liar. They weren't there. I had this experience, but it's not my job to force you to believe anything. My job is to go in and be a mouthpiece for the spirits and the family in that home that feel afraid. Yeah. So that's all I worry about. I don't worry about what everybody else thinks, or I don't care what everybody else thinks. It's not my job to turn you. I'm a skeptical believer. I've had experiences my whole life, but there are some things that later on I'm able to go, that's what happened. That wasn't paranormal at all. It was this lack of sleep, too much caffeine, whatever, you know, you can, you realize in these situations that this may be what caused that effect. So I'm always open to it. And I admit I'm human and fallible. I can make mistakes. Um, it's not often, <laughs> but I can make mistakes, right? So you just got to be open and honest with yourself about it. And I, when people come at me, well, that's too good to be true. And I say, so what exactly do you want? Do you want blurry pictures of Bigfoot and orbs? Because that's blurry pictures. Why is it never clear? And I give you a clear picture and you go, that's too clear. It can't be real. You know, there's, there's no defining line. People that watch these shows, and I've had so many skeptics tell me, I don't believe in any of this, but I do love watching you investigate. And I like the way you handle things. And I like that. That's, that's the biggest compliment I'll ever get that even though you don't believe in it, you enjoy my process. You enjoy what I do. So that's all, that's all I'm worried about. I've had people call me a fraud and a huckster and PT Barnum, my whole life in this field. I don't care. I've had the experience. You're at home watching it on TV like a, a goof telling me what really happened. I was there. Hmm. I know what happened. Doesn't mean that I don't still sit there and go, what? How is that possible? What really occurred? Was that a force? Was it something that they were able to, like that moment of going into sleep when all of a sudden you jerk unintentionally? Is it that part of the brain that they're able to affect? So I got knocked over, not by something physically, but that they were able to interrupt the electric impulses in my brain and cause me to fall into Shane and feel like I was hit. I don't know, but it's worth investigating and questioning and, and testing theories. Yeah. So when, when you come to the end of the investigation and mm -hmm. you're, you're putting your, you know, your videos today together to put on discovery and the travel travel channel, mm -hmm. does, do you have a lot of involvement with the editing to look at when you're looking at like, the no. evidence side of things. No, 90% of the shows do not. Ghost Hunters, Ghost Adventures, and uh, Destination Fear slash Project Fear do because they own their own shows, I believe. Yeah. Or they're they're powerful enough because they've been around long enough that they have control over that. Um, most of us are just, you know, we sign a thick contract that tells us we can edit any way we want. I just pray that the people I work with are good people. The people that I worked with on both of my shows, I felt had my back and the back of my team. Uh, and they put together compelling programs using the actual stuff without asking us to manipulate. They're, the only manipulation that I've been an active part, participant in is cutting sound bites. So um, listen, we filmed for five days, 12 hours a day. This is going to get cut down to 42 minutes. Yeah. We have to tell... We, we obviously can't show all this footage. So Dave, you're going to be in the car driving to the next location and you're going to speak over the scene 
catching everybody up. So Nando and I just got a call from the Hennessy mansion. We were told that somebody has been attacked there and that there is physical proof of the paranormal that catches you up or the Hennessy mansion is an anchor point in this town. It is one of the shining examples, one of the diamonds of the community. We have to understand what's going on there because if there's something evil, we have to get it out. So that can take eight hours of filming of stuff that we learned about it and condense it into two sentences that catches you up as a viewer. And now we can go do what we are there to do instead of wasting precious minutes on the show, showing us do all those interviews to get the information that I can tell you in one sentence. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, Yeah. it's a narration. And those are the only things that are manipulated. And they're not manipulated to say something that didn't happen. They just condense things that did happen and were said into a bite-sized compartment so I can say it and catch listeners up on our way to the next scene. On the way, no, no, totally get that. And with with the paranormal, it's evolved. And one of the big involvements with the paranormal is technology. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of it's changed to now people are using ICT apps from mobile phones. Mm-hmm. You know, what what's your thoughts when it comes to investigation? Do you try all new technology or is there things that you would just steer clear of because you don't agree with it? I you won't usually see me use a K2 meter um, because they are very fallible. Mm. I uh, but I've seen crazy things like. Let me give you an example. Uh, some car remote starters can affect a K2 meter. So I could sit there with a car remote starter and click it, and you'll see the lights ping on the K2 meter. So I was at the Queen Mary. We were doing this big event. We had all these people there. And I came into the first class pool to check on the group, and everybody's all in a circle, bent over. And I'm like, oh, no, did somebody drop? Is somebody having a heart attack? I go running over there. There's three K2 meters on the floor. And I start assessing the situation. My skeptical nature kicks in and I'm watching everybody around the room and I'm trying to figure out who's got a remote control, who's screwing with these K2 meters. Everybody's enthralled. They're asking questions of the little girl, Jackie, and all the K2 meters are going in succession with one another. Mm. And so I, being the smart paranormal investigator, I am, I go, boy, Jackie, this is amazing that you're doing this. You are so powerful. Could you do me a favor though? Just light up the middle k2 meter and then the middle one lit up not the others and i was like oh that's interesting i said whose are these and three different people in the group raise their hands do you guys know each other nope we just met tonight okay can you just light up the one on the left the one on the left starts lighting up how about just the one on the right the one on the right starts lighting up now do me a favor jackie light them all up and all three lit up full force I can't explain that. I cannot explain it because remotes are not directional. It's not like I can aim it at the one I want to go off. They're all sitting an inch apart from one another. You're going to hit that RF frequency. It's going to ping all of them. That was cool to me, but that's so few and far between. So I'm not a big fan of K2 meters. Um, I really am down to my recorder and my senses. I like to be in the moment. So if I hear something, I can run to it instead of running away from it because I'm I'm shocked and, and in awe. SLS cameras kind of cool. Um, you know, the Ovilus tools like that spirit boxes. I was so heavy into all of that stuff and I've, I've started to lean back away from it, but then people told me about the necrophonic. This tool is so cool, Dave, you got to try it. And I, okay. I downloaded on my phone. It's 
20 bucks or whatever. I've spent more money on stupider things. So let's try it. And I'm listening to it and I'm like, all right, I don't know. I don't know if I'm buying what I'm hearing or seeing here until it started getting very specific to the answers. And I'm like, all right, spirit, tell me who's sitting over to the left of me. Nando. That's pretty specific, Nando. Yeah. Or am I waiting to hear the name Nando because I know who's sitting next to me? And really what came through was potato. And I just said, <laughs> oh, it's a Nando. We are fallible. We can make those mistakes. But that's why I record it and I don't go off the initial response. And then I will think to myself, potato, potato, potato. And I play it back. And who's sitting next to me? Nando. Not potato. I heard you very clearly. N, not potato, Nando. One syllable, quick. You know, it it was it fit. Then I'm more intrigued, and I've had really cool responses that way. Shane and I, when we were doing Holzer files, um, and we were at the the uh, castle, Franklin Castle, or not Franklin Castle, Lambert Castle, in yeah. uh, New York, uh, we were using the spirit. We had conversation. I kid you not, for like 20 minutes, something was answering our questions very clearly and succinctly to what we were hearing uh, and what we were asking amazing. So I like all the tools and I'm willing to try them all, but some of them don't, you know, people are like, Oh, how come you never use? I did. I use the SLS camera. We didn't get anything. So they don't show it because why waste time watching me walk around using the SLS camera when there's nothing to, you know, report, um, the, the, this machine, that machine, you know, like the shadow trackers are intriguing. I've liked using those, the trip wires. So, you know, depending on what it is, but I like when I can have multiple actions take place at once. I'm picking up on the recording, the sound of footsteps as the shadow tracker starts lighting up. I'm not physically hearing it, but I caught choo, 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 choo. footsteps as the, as we're videotaping the, the uh, shadow trackers going off in the same direction as the sound of the footsteps. That's intriguing to me. And then I like that kind of stuff. But again, I'm more about being in the moment and being in the experience and using my recorder to try to communicate. No, Sarah's just asked a quick question. What about Victorian methods, uh, seances, crystals, dowels and rods, and the Ouija boards? What's your thoughts with those most, boards? Most people don't want us to bring Ouija boards into it. And because we are fallible, um, I have a problem using it. Uh, I, if, like if I brought in Nando and Sarah, have no idea, but they're proficient at the use of Ouija boards. So I've employed those two to come in and sit down in this house as I watch and I ask questions I know the answers to. And okay, um, you know, could you please identify who we're speaking with, which one of the family members? And you guys spell out Robert. Oh, interesting. There is a Robert that is believed to haunt here. Okay, Robert, you know, but as long as we've kept you in the dark and you have no clue who or what you're expecting to hear from, I'm intrigued by those responses, but a lot of places are so patently terrified of Ouija boards that they won't allow them in. We used a Ouija board once at Franklin Castle on the Holzer files, but we used it in an interesting way. We used it to try to close all previous um, communications and try to call back the spirits that were released, if you will, from the board or called upon by the board. And that's, that's what we try to use it for. Um, Victorian methods. I've tried, you know, the, the talcum powder in locations and I've caught footsteps or footprints a couple of times. We caught yeah. handprints on a mirror. Um, 
you know, I'm all for trying different things. I had a, a friend of mine who has since passed. She, uh, she was listening to one of my talks and I jokingly said, I'd like to use an Etch-A-Sketch at a paranormal investigation because it's magnetic particles. And if spirits are truly part of a magnetic force and she left an Etch-A-Sketch and she videotaped it, set it down, completely clear, nothing on it. She leaves it there. She walks back out of the room, shuts the room. All the people get out. They close the entire place down, lock it down. They have a cop on the front stoop to make sure nobody goes into the house while they're gone. They would do this and they'd run recorders just to let the house be itself. That if the spirits are in there, are we going to capture anything? And the cop was not to interfere. The cop was not to go into the house. And then they came back and she walks up, unlocks the door with the police officer. They walk through, gather up their recorder. She walks into the kid's playroom and there's a name scrawled on the Etch-A-Sketch. And the name happens to be the name of the guy that they believe murdered the child. Oh, wow. Yeah. Then it's like, wow, what the hell? So it becomes more intriguing. So I'm all for experimentation, trying things before we say it won't happen. And you can't just try it once. You got to implement it. I believe in bonding with your equipment. I will use the same two recorders and I seem to get better recording off of them than I do giving me a fresh one. Uh, but I can also use the fresh one and start using it for a year or two. And then I start picking up better EVP on it. I think you, you begin to bond with your materials and the items that you use, the things that you trust in it. I think makes it a, a more cohesive investigation. Oh, that's great. And you know, we're we're talking about a lot of the spiritual side of the paranormal, but you you also um, you know looked into things with like UFOs and mm -hmm. the the cryptic side of things as well. Starting right. with the UFOs, you know, um, again, it is one of those things. What's real? What's fake? You know, in your opinion, with what you've looked at, you know. I've had people tell me that there's different species of aliens, UFOs, and they're observing us for different reasons. Mm -hmm. When they, when you have these sightings or when they come down, what, what do you think their purpose is to, to come down to our atmosphere or, our, or earth? What, what's your, belief? I would not be arrogant to assume any of it. I don't know. I mean, you, you can guess, but it's all the same thing that everybody says. We're, we're too, Ridiculous to believe that a universe this vast does not support other intelligent life. Why would they check on us? Why do we check on the, the, you know, inhabitants of the rainforest? Why do we check in on these, these different cultures? We're learning it's study. It's understanding. So that's why I believe, but again, that's, you know, what everybody says in this case, but it makes sense. So I don't, I can't detract from it. Some believe it's more nefarious that we are the Petri dish experiment and they're coming back to look in on their Petri dish that they created and see what's happening. Maybe. Um, I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know why they like to poke us in the butt all the time. So I <laughs> can't answer. Right? Yeah. Uh, maybe it's cause it's soft tissue and it's easier to collect samples. You figure the anus, you could collect, uh, it's a mucus area. You could collect mucus, blood and poop, three vital things that you could take back and test that are going to give you a lot of information. So it could sure. be that it, yeah, I don't know. Uh, that would be my guess. Uh, it's kind of a one-stop shop for genetic material, right? Um, yeah, definitely. So I don't know why, but I, do I believe they're here? Sure. Yeah, I think there's been too many sightings over too long a period of history, even when flying machines weren't in the sky, that you can't summarily dismiss things 
and say, well, no, that just doesn't exist. You've got astronauts whose careers are built on they are the best of the best. They know what they're doing. They know what they're looking at. And they've been to space and they've seen things that are anomalous, that bear no understanding for us as we know things. So obviously, if they're saying it, I'm going to take that to heart. You know, I've heard skeptics, oh, they're making mistakes. I don't think so. I don't think so. Could be, maybe, but I doubt it. I, I, I believe they were hired to be experts at what they're up there looking at. And they know that, oh, that's our cone. That's our rocket booster. That's our water filtration system that Larry bumped out the pod bay door by accident. They would know these things, right? So, and can I, let me go back. I want to say one thing about TV. Because one yeah. of the big questions I have, and I know you and I talked about this off air. I don't, I don't want to feel like I dissuaded you from asking. Um, I have been on Ghost Adventures. I have been on Paranormal State. I've been on Paranormal Challenge. I've been on uh, Haunted Hospitals. I've been on Holzer Files. I've been on Ghost of Devil's Perch. Um, there's only one show I feel was inaccurate, and that was Haunted Hospitals. But they're a television show that tells stories. They're not an investigative show. And they just, all they did was took my story and pumped it up with steroids and made it bigger and scarier than it was. Um, I think the real root of the story was much better, but whatever, to each their own. I went online and told everybody the real story and posted it, so it's there. Um, but every show I've been on, Whatever you see on the final episode is exactly what happened when we were boots on the ground. I've never seen fakery or trickery. At least I've never been witness or aware of it taking place. I mean, hell, I even did an episode of Ghost Adventures, which everybody, oh, they're the most overacted. They're this, they're that. Yet I did an entire episode with them in a house that was reported to be as active as any horror movie, you know, like the Amityville horror haunted movie. And this guy had all kinds of activity. And we got in there. We found nothing to correlate any of his stories. We didn't get a damn dust orb. We got nothing. And we went out and reported. And this shows you how fickle fans are. (sighs) Don't get me wrong. I love fans. I love people that are into these shows. But it just shows you what we're up against. You create an episode that shows nothing's here. We got nothing. The story doesn't add up. The painted walls are sponge painted, which means that a demon got in here, grabbed a sponge, dipped it in the black paint and and wrote 666. And, oh, we don't even have black paint in the house. Bill Chappell and I are sitting in the garage overlooking the, the bank of computers and everything as we're watching all the static cams. And all of a sudden, Bill Chappell nudges me and points. And over on the shelf behind our whole setup is a can of black paint. <laughs> and it's been used because there's paint on the label. And so the guy was in our opinion, full of baloney, right? Yeah. That's wrong. Cause I love baloney. Uh, he was full of shit. Let's just be honest. Uh, in my opinion, in my opinion, that's mm. what took place, but we showed an episode and everybody bitched about it. Well, well, you invest the whole hour watching a TV show and there's nothing to show. What kind of crap is this? This show's taking a turn to the worst. Shut up. You don't believe it. If we show you a product, if we show you an episode where nothing took place, you're pissed off about that. What do you want from the paranormal? For God's sakes, lighten up on these people, right? They're doing their best to bring you entertainment. And when they show you what everybody says, you know, it's not possible that every place you go is haunted. You're right. And here's an episode. And I'll tell you what, because of the response of fans, that's why more episodes haven't been released by other shows. There are plenty of TV shows 
that have gone to a location, they got nothing. And because mm-hmm. of the response and the hatred shown towards ghost adventures for daring to show an episode that is true, they don't show those episodes because they saw the, the flashback from the audience. How sad is that? You want reality. And when you're shown reality, you A, don't believe it, and then B, bitch about it. Well, it is, you know, I got what you're saying. Sometimes you can go to a location that is known for activity and, you know, Portal to the Paranormal were out on location yesterday and there wasn't a lot going on. You know, it's right. just, you, you can't guarantee it. It's like, right. you, you got to be so patient with the paranormal. I refer to it as when you go fishing, when you cast mm-hmm. out your rod. You got to be very patient. It's going to take a long time to get that bite. It doesn't happen all the time, you know. So it just sort of depends. Um, and and that's what we were lucky with with Ghost of Devil's Perch. Yeah, somebody would call in and say this just happened. We could be there in ten minutes. So the action and activity is very fresh. Sometimes we're coming years after it happened in a location, and we're just going in to uncover why it happened. What are we there to uncover and, and understand? So. You know, it just, it bothers me, but I can honestly say I've on, I think I've done eight or nine episodes of ghost adventures. I've never been witness to any chicanery or skullduggery going on. Look at those old timey words. Uh, I've, I've everything that you end up seeing in the episode is exactly how it happened. Uh, minus the music in the background that, that we're not hearing out loud. Right. Um, but the music is also added because in all honesty, if you watched an episode without music, yeah. Pardon me. One of my cats is tripping That's balls right. on catnip and walking around right now. Um, you would be bored out of your mind. You yeah, know, I wouldn't, I'd like it better. Cause it's always, I agree. We all agree. It shouldn't be placed over EVPs. They should shut it down three seconds before they play the EVP. Once it's played, then go back to the music. We all agree on that. It's a frustration level, but you have to go with what the network asks. They buy the film. They buy the investigation they put it out. This is what you're going to do. So that's, that's the case. I can't attest to all the episodes I was not a part of. I, I would like to believe that my friends aren't out there manipulating and changing the reality, but I don't know. I'm not there. Um, I can only tell you that the episodes I've been on, those were all exactly as I witnessed them going down. Well, what else would you say, Dave? They're your friends. Good point but I'm just stating from my point of view, my perspective. And again, I'm not here to, you know, to force you to believe, but I'm going to speak mm-hmm. my truth. And my truth is, this is how it really went down. And it's like you said, um, you were there to, to witness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you know more than what we know, because you've been there. We, we can only yeah. see it from what we see on the TV screen. Um, well, why can't you take me? I don't even need to get paid. Just take me. I'll go in there with you. And I'll tell you, I wouldn't run away. Oh my God. The people that beat up on poor Shane because he, he got nervous, man, this kid was, he's young, he's experienced, but we're putting him in some of the scariest locations by himself and things happen. And he's so real, you know, Shane, I'll be honest with you. Shane wanted to walk away from the Holzer files a few times for fear that it was going to make him look too childish. And I said, no, buddy, listen, Cindy is the connection between the spirit world and here. I am the connection between the investigator Hans Holzer and now Alexandra is the connection between her father and, and updating us on these histories, right? Your job, Shane, you're the, you're the human element. You're the reaction of how people really 
are in these situations. You're getting a sense of that fear that the family or the business owner is going through, through shame. So don't be afraid of being who you are a hundred percent, buddy. And, and that's it. And people love Shane for that. And there are people that are going to bitch and whine, but there's a lot of these places. I guarantee you, I've seen some big guys crumble fast when they get put in a haunted location. And I'll be like, Hey, I'll be right back. I forgot my batteries, man. I got to go up and grab batteries. I'm going to leave you down here. I'll be back in five minutes. Three minutes later, I can hear him stomping up the stairs. Oh, screw this, man. Something's moving down there. I'm not going to stay. And it's real easy when you're watching it on TV to be a tough guy or gal. Sometimes when you get put in this situation, it is what it is. It's a totally different ball game. I've done it yeah. before. We, we've gone to some, yeah. you know, weird locate. You just pick up the atmosphere and there's just something not right. And, you know, if one of the teams say, oh, I'm just going to go to the, even going to the toilet, I'm like, I'm not staying there on my own. I'll do right. it. Yeah. But, you know, I won't stay on my own. That's a bit out of my comfort zone as well. So I get what mm-hmm. he's saying totally. Um, now, you know, also um, with yourself, you have your own podcast, uh, The Paranormal 60 uh, with Dave Schrader. Um, can mm-hmm. you tell us a little bit more about that? One, how, how did sure. you come up with, with the name? You know, you know, The Paranormal 60. Um, so I did a show for 16 and a half years called Darkness Radio with my co-host and, and buddy Tim. And uh, just narratively i wanted to go a different direction tim wanted to go a different direction so i just split and and took a couple months to myself for mental uh break you know we just come off of covid there was all this stress i'd been filming when when i started with the holzer files i was hosting my show darkness radio and hosting five nights a week on midnight in the desert plus i was filming a tv show five days a week i was burning out and i did that for two seasons and then i stepped away from midnight in the desert and um, working with Tim and I just, I just wanted a break from it all, you know, and animosities build between people. You're, you work together for 17 years. You, you get it pissed off at each other from time to time. So instead of it turning into a place where I hated him or he hated me, I just wanted to walk away for a while. So I walked away and after three, four months, I rebooted and came up with a new show. Uh, the concept behind the paranormal 60 was to try to keep it about a 60 minute show because that's really all people listen to now. Right. Uh, I should have told you that before he asked, right. Cause you're doing a 90 minute show, but <laughs> well, we've got the, <laughs> yeah. So 60 is kind of that sweet spot, but you know, most shows I'm anywhere between 60 to 70 minutes long. Uh, I just like to call it, you get the bonus director's cut when you tune in, you never know what you're going to really get, but I also don't like people to feel pressured one thing i noticed with my guests was i would say yeah i'd love to have you on it's a three-hour show and they're like oh dude i can't do three hours well i'd like to have you on it's a two-hour show man i don't think i got enough to talk about for two hours i'd love to have you on it's a 60-minute show buddy i really don't have 60 minutes to spare so now i try to have two different guests on in one hour yeah with like context right and 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 what they're calling in about so i figure that way Nando people tune in for the first half of my show. They like a guest. They can turn it off. Once they get to work, go in due to, they can come out and listen to the second half. They don't have to remember what they heard in the first half, eight hours ago, Mm -hmm. because the new guest takes over and has their own stories to share. So that was kind of the concept behind the paranormal 60. I do a live version Mondays and Wednesdays on YouTube through StreamYard, So people can go watch it live. And then the episodes live there forever. So you can always go back and watch it. And then I release the audio version 
late that night so that if you only like to listen to the audio versions, you can subscribe to the Paranormal 60. It's a free podcast on just about every paranormal podcast or every platform out there, I should say, for paranormal uh, or podcasts, not just paranormal, but you'll be able to find me. And I just, you know, try to make it fun, accessible. I do hopefully with a sense of humor to, I don't want to, you know, things are scarier when you can laugh one minute and then the next minute you're like, what the hell? So, um, I, I, you know, I try to keep it light on the shows with respect to me, to my guests and, and the topic at hand. But, uh, you know, when it's scary, let it be scary. And then when there's absurdity, let's laugh together and just kind of take it from there. So I hope your listeners will tune in and check out the Paranormal 60 live video or the audio at any time. And um, what we will do at the end is put links to Dave's Facebook Thank page, the Paranormal 60. We will put the links in there. So definitely go and have a look there. You know, there's different aspects to the show and you do bring fun to it as well, like you know, you have a laugh with it. And I think that's what's mm -hmm. great. You know, so the Paranormal 60. So you've got that going on. Um, and then what 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 have you got coming up investigation-wise? Have you got anything in the pipe works that you can talk about? I know sometimes with TV, there's limited stuff that you can say. But... Not right now. I'm not filming any projects at this moment. Uh, you know, I'm part of the Discovery TV family. And uh, they purchased Warner Brothers and HBO. And it was a big acquisition and they've spent a lot of their time and effort in trying to sort through what their next steps are. So ghost adventures, ghost hunters, and I think dead files are the only three new shows out there. Um, you know, three series that they've kind of kept afloat. Uh, so I'm not filming. I've heard we might go back to filming, uh, maybe another season of ghost of devil's perch in 2024, which is good for me. It'll take a year off from it and give the spirits time to build up again and see if the activity's there. Otherwise, maybe we move on to another city. Um, so that's that's really what I do. I just try to have fun with it and and you know, whatever happens, happens. But in the interim, I'm out traveling the world, getting a chance to investigate. So for any of your listeners in the United States, I've got events all the time coming up. I'm doing the Palmer House Hotel event in Minnesota in a few weeks. I'm gonna be out at um, Hillview Manor this year. I'm going to be out at, uh, oh God, I'm sorry. I have so many things, man. It's hard to even keep them straight, but I'm, you know, like I, I did Egypt earlier this year with 30 of our oh, listeners, wow. uh, Germany and Prague in July with about 25, 30 of our listeners. Then we're going to be in England in September with probably 25 to 30 of our listeners. We're going to be doing tours, uh, you know, where we're seeing haunted castles and keeps and and cemeteries and then we will also uh be stopping at the festival of the unexplained for a three-day paranormal conference in in the uk and in my opinion the best paranormal conference in the uk because they hired me <laughs> but i'll be there festival of the unexplained.com festival of the unexplained.com to attend just the conference if you want to attend the conference and my tour go to darknessevents.com. That's darknessevents.com. Scroll down until you find the little banner that talks about the uh, eerie England trip with Neil Story and myself. Um, and again, I will put all the links into Please. the description at the end of this. You mm -hmm. know, um, For us, we're, we're excited to meet you at the Festival of the Unexplained. It's going to be a great weekend. And I'm bringing um, free hugs. Yeah, so, well, Sarah's booked one in already, so I know... Um, she, she'll be happy with that. Don't worry, Nando. I got one saved up for you too. Real long and lingering and weird. Out. 
<laughs> it's going to be fun. Um, but you know what, Dave? I just want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to to join us and My have pleasure. a chat. It's been sure. it's been really great getting to know you, having a chat about things that you've done and what you believe. Um, mm -hmm. And as always, thank you to everyone in the audience. You know, without you guys, uh, you know, it wouldn't be a show. You guys taking the time to listen, join in. You've all been great. Um, but I just want to thank you again, Dave. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure. Um, and I hope to definitely catch up with you in the future. Well, I'll definitely meet you in September. So that's going to be a, a great Excellent. weekend. But hopefully we can catch up with you later down the line, a catch-up show with you to see what's been going on and anything new going on with you, if that's okay. You got it. Yeah. Brilliant. And for your listeners worldwide, just let me say, remember to be kind to yourself and be kind to the people that you love. Make the best of the life that you have right now in front of you so that you don't need mediums or ghost hunters to try to make communication in the afterlife. Say what you need to say. Love like there is no tomorrow so that anything that is done is left completed and not unfulfilled. Because I believe that that is the real gist of letting go of these spirits. I think we haunt the dead by our need, wants, and desires to cling to them in hopes of forgiveness or getting one more chance to say goodbye. Um, I just really hope people will take the time to be kind to themselves and the people that they love and be in those moments more often. So. Do you know, that, that's very true. You know, make the moments count while we've got those moments and yeah. Yeah. That, that's a lovely way to end the show. Thank you. It's um, like, I almost do this for a living, huh? Yeah, it's been great. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Nando. Well, I'll, do, I'll just pop you in the back, finish off, and then we'll have a quick chat at the end. But again, <laughs> um, thank you, Dave, for being on. You know, it's been absolutely My awesome. pleasure. And we will definitely catch up with Dave in the future. But for now, I'll let you go. And I'll just finish off. There we go. What a great show. Um, as always, um, thank you to everyone that joins us, uh, comments, likes, everything. You know, what I will do afterwards, I will put all of Dave's links in. So please go and give his podcast a, a watch, uh, The Paranormal 60 with Dave Schreider. Um, great show. Again, if you want to attend the Festival of the Unexplained, I know there's some tickets available still. Or, um, again, with what Dave's doing with Neil Story, I will get that all put into the descriptions. Um, but, again, thank you, everyone, for taking part. We will be back soon. Um, but for now, enjoy the rest of for everyone. If you're having your bank holiday weekend, enjoy the rest of it. And everyone, just have a great evening, great day, wherever you are. And we will see you soon. Bye.